0: Okay. Thank you for everyone for listening. I am with Dr. Grant Garcia. He's our orthopedic surgeon and sports medicine specialist. Check him out at grantgarciamd.com. We've got a great show for you today. The topic is the future of horizons for ACL procedures. And there's so many new innovative uh, procedures that are coming out that, you know, we just got really excited about it. And when we think about innovation, right, it's new ideas, technology, uh, finding a way to advance whatever that is, you know, the productivity, you know, in order for um, all of us to benefit. Um, Dr. Garcia, first and first and foremost, uh, welcome. And to follow up with that, what is your thought when you think about innovation?
1: Well, first off, thanks for having me. Um, when I think of innovation, I think of at least from uh, the medical standpoint, I think of finding a way to do what we do better safer, uh, and to make it so that we improve on what we did before. You know, if I don't look back, if I look back on myself four years ago and don't say, wow, I can't believe I did it that way. I wish, you know, now I do it even this way even better. Like, that's a good thing, right? We ought to always keep getting better. It doesn't mean that what we did before either is wrong or not as good, but, you know, there's certain things, even technologies that are even evolving, even over the last few years that make our lives better. Are better for the patients and make a more efficient surgery so patients recover faster and you can see noticeable differences even in that short time period yeah
0: it's a perfect way to say it uh for my daughter innovation is straws she loves to use a straw for everything so you know thank god for the innovation of straw but all jokes aside um let's talk about some of the things that really have you excited especially in uh when it comes down to the acl and acl procedures
1: Yeah. So, I mean, we'll go through a different series of them. I think the one that um, we had talked about a few of these things after our big meeting uh, in April, but kind of recircling back now that they're more clinical. Um, I think the first thing we talk about is the bear implant. So it's, it's a, it's actually, it's actually spelled out B E A R uh, and it's an acronym, Uh, but basically what it is, it's pretty impressive, the whole story. So the whole story is, uh, there was this, this doctor and, uh, she works for Har- at Harvard and basically 10 years ago designed that, Hey, how can I find a way to turn, to heal more ACLs? Cause as we know, for the most part until more recently, if you tore your ACL, it was mostly a reconstruction. There's really not a way to grow back a ligament like that. The same with the PCL, but the PCL just isn't talked about that much because there's so many less of those done. Um, but the ACL is the one we hear about in the news and all the football players and all the basketball players. So is there a way that we can regrow this and so we can keep you back to your native anatomy? And in theory, reduce the chances of needing something in the future, faster recovery or easier recovery, and then a more natural thing because we know that ACLs aren't perfect and people get I And mean, When you start getting revision surgeries, success rates and return to sport drop significantly. I mean, we'll see how Odo Beckham Jr. does, but after number two, it's never the same thing, you know? So can we avoid that or can we buy more time by doing this? So not to get into too much of the details, but basically she spent 10 years designing this, clinical trials. You know, you got to test out something if it's going to be that innovative. And it's now available on the market. It's not commonly done, but it's available on the market. They've done a few in the East Coast. We're starting to think about it over here and start doing it. Um, but basically what you do is you create a blood clot and turn it into what we call an MCL tear, and actually allow the ligament to heal. And the indications are pretty are pretty wide. And what's impressive is the indications are actually for young children um, up to, you know, mid-level adults. So it has a much wider indication than some of the other procedures that we do. That being said, there's still a lot of clinical data we need to see. But even of the 100 or 120 patients that have undergone this, the results are fairly staggering that you're seeing patients with a fairly low retail rate of around, you know, 7%, uh, you know, at that and getting back to sports that they want to do with mri showing that in some cases the acl regrowth so it's pretty impressive
0: and just to give a little backstory, you mentioned at the beginning um this was a conversation that we had you went to uh the big orthopedic conference in chicago a few months ago and you came back really excited we touched upon it a little bit in one of the shows afterwards and now it seems like this is really kind of moving forward is that because you know the FDA and, and some of these other uh, organizations have now given it a thumbs up and saying this is a way to go.
1: Yeah, I mean the FDA approval happened you know shortly before the meeting, um, but now we have sort of companies that can distribute these out. You know, with any of the way that where these products work, you know, in this case, you know, in the doctor, she subscribed it the best, but basically they're not going to jump on anything unless they know it's going to get FDA approved, right? You don't want to pay all those royalty fees and everything else to the people that worked on it, unless you know it's going to be a sure deal. Like, you know, these companies like to know that they have a sure deal. So it took a while to show the data, but then after showing the data, now they've got a clinical product. And, again, I think this, you know, in the next year or two, you're probably going to see version number two come out, right? right? You know, we how do we innovate, make this better, so it's a product that's easier to use. You know, it's still not the easiest thing to use, and it's very expensive. And so it's not indicated for everybody, and there's not a lot. You know, we've, there's only small indications right be getting more data and evaluate that. You know, if you have this procedure you have to do within 50 days of the surgery. Now that's pretty short. I mean, I have patients that come in that have torn their ACL 3 months ago, been bounced around for different opinions. You know, by the time they got to me if that was the uh, with the bear implant you wouldn't be eligible. You
0: oh, know what I mean? Okay, so why so, is so that? that that's a perfect thing. segue. Why why is it so important that you have to come within those 50 days of tearing the ACL?
1: Well, the the Not so smart answer is that's the way it was FDA approved. But the answer is um, that the idea is that basically they tested a certain timeline. 50 days is what they chose. Okay. And the idea is that if you wait longer than 50 days, the ligament's been torn too long. It's too disrupted. All the blood flows out of it, and it just doesn't heal the way it should.
0: Okay. And what else goes into meeting this criteria? Uh, Is there a certain age, a certain category? You know, what kind of falls into this category? to have this bear implant. And, and for our listeners out there uh, that is bridge enhanced ACL restoration implant. And that is the bear acronym. Uh, once again, uh, who fits in that category as far as age and maybe gender or anything like that?
1: You know, there it's really those people that have had an acute injury. Um, okay. Age category. There's really not too much of a cutoff compared to some of the other things, but and again, people are pushing the envelope on what direction. You want to have enough of a stump of the ACL left that you can attach some sutures to it to bring this sort of thing up to the books. I think of it, in my opinion, as like a pretty good-looking ACL that's sort of cut in the middle because we've got a good option for those proximal ACLs that we want to fix. Okay. So I think it is another thing in your repertoire. I think the biggest problem with this implant is just going to be the cause cost, – it's going to be a challenge. The biggest challenge, and we're going to see this in the future, it will get better, but the biggest challenge with a new product, like a new medicine, right, is getting insurance to approve it yep. because they're only going to give a, seven, a set amount of money to the facility to do this, and if it's more expensive than what the product is, it's not going to be covered, and that's going to be a problem, especially nowadays with all the hospital shutdowns we've had and everything else. So it may be something, you know, and again, it depends on the place you work and where you are, but that's going to be the biggest is whether or not this can be affordable for everybody. You know, We don't want to make healthcare go out of control yeah. trying to do something. Um, so it is a good option for certain people and people who want to try innovation. Um, and there are certain people that will do better than others and there's certain people that will have good success. It's just something to get the, the viewers excited. Like, hey, there's something out there that we can do to make you better.
0: Yeah, even if it's not affordable for everyone, but like anything, as we get um, more information and time goes by, hopefully the insurance will play play their part and play nice when it comes to all this um, just explain yeah. a little bit more um, with this bare implant um, how does it utilize your own blood with the healing process what what does that what does that really mean
1: so basically what you do is you soak it with your blood in this sort of collagen membrane and you basically put that membrane right against the wall where the ACL should grow back. Okay. And the idea is that you're creating a blood clot so that the scar and the, the ligament knows where to grow back. As opposed to right now, there's no clot. When, you, when your ACL tears, everybody's had their ACL torn, they know that their knee blew up and they had a lot of blood in it. Well, that blood went everywhere. As opposed to if you tear certain ligaments in the other parts of your body that will heal on their own because a little blood clot just forms right around where the ligaments both attach. So you're basically turning this into one of those ligaments and so you that blood the blood clotting in that area with that collagen membrane will allow the guide the growth factors in that blood tell your ligament to heal
0: in a certain spot got you and uh, you know we've discussed this already but for anyone that hasn't listened to our other shows um, just kind of describe why the the ACL has trouble healing on its own and you um, you need to have some sort of procedure in order for the ACL to, you know, be fixed.
1: So, uh, the problem with the ACL is it doesn't have a great blood supply, and when it's torn, it's in the joint. And so, like I said before, when you tear the blood supply of it, it the blood goes everywhere. It doesn't really have the right proprioceptive factors on how to heal. So, you know, all of our procedures are guiding that ACL back to where it's supposed to go.
0: And it all depends.
1: I mean, there's different. There's so many different types of ACL tears. Hmm. Even though, you know, a lot of us just think of ACL tears and an ACL tear, as I've even learned more about this and gotten better at these techniques and done even more research, as someone that has seen a lot of these, I've learned that there are so many flavors. You know, and even on the MRI now, I can tell you if this person's going to be a good candidate or not before I even go in there. And so I can save a lot of time and energy, plus I can have the discussion with the patients ahead of time because you really can't do this procedure on somebody without giving them all the expectations. You know, they need to know the risks and benefits, especially when you're doing something new and innovative.
0: Got you. Um, when people go in for surgery, one of the things they think about is, okay, what are you doing to my body, right? So, you know, you talk about something, when we're talking about, you know, cutting, we're talking about incision, we're talking about uh, recovery time. So, is there a difference between the bare implant as far as um, what type of um, surgical cuts or anything like that compared to a normal ACL reconstruction?
1: I mean, there's some different techniques. You know, you make a little bigger incision right near where the kneecap is. So okay. There's certain things you don't have to do, like take a grasp. So if you, you take someone's part of their patella tendon or part of their quad tendon yeah. or their hamstring tendon. You don't have to do that. Um, you know, it's relatively minimally invasive. Uh, But it's still a procedure that's being said. But there are a lot of things we do to reduce that with this procedure. And so, you know, it's 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 the same sort of incisions. If you had for the for the for the normal person, they wouldn't recognize this difference between a bare incision and an ACL incision. They look about the same. Okay. Okay. Time wise, maybe it's a little bit faster. But again, it's a it's a little bit of a unique technique, and we're still working on it. There's another procedure we'll talk about that is easier and lower profile um that you know i just recently did one of these and i can give a little bit more insight uh into that option as well
0: but Great. So i think that
1: that's sort of the, the info is like you know you're doing some small cuts you're putting a you know a big collagen implant in the front of the acl to get it the clot we've seen good data and i think you know we should probably retouch on this in the next few months to six months to a year to kind of see what the data is again it's going to be slow you know people have to adapt insurance companies have to adapt and the surgeons have to adapt you know many people don't want to do the cutting edge stuff, because if you're the first person to do something that doesn't do as well, you don't want to be that one person either. So it's got
0: to be a fine balance. You, you know, you touched upon it. That was going to be my follow-up question is um, time, right? That's something we talk about is um, if you do this, how long before I'm, you know, either fully healed or as close to normal as possible, and what are the chances or is it, you know, still the same as far as the injury reoccurring?
1: So to, in the matter of times so we get on the next topic, at least ACL repair, which I'd like to chat about. Yeah, we're um, going to go
0: into that right the, now. That'd be great.
1: There, that's, this is a harder sell, I think, than some of the other ones because the recovery time is about the same time as an ACL reconstruction. So you're okay. not really saving that much time. Um, the But you're having your own native ligaments. And there's a little higher repair rate. So it's a little different sale than my ACL repairs. Mm, okay. But that being said, there there are certain patients that'll want to get the newer technology and want to save their ACL. You know, patients all the time ask me, can I get my ACL saved? And I have to tell them, you know, no, we can't do it. We have to reconstruct the whole thing. Gotcha. And so that might be someone that's interested in it. And again, as we get more comfortable with the procedure, we may let people go faster, do faster things, but sometimes it takes a long time, you know, to transition. Another topic is ACL repair. We talked about this before where we can, Repair the ACL, no fancy clot or anything else, but these newer, more innovative implants. You know, that's been around for a long time, longer than the bear implant, and really has been taken off in the last year or two. And in the last six months, when they came out with this brand-new uh, instrumentation, Arthrex, uh, it really is a game-changer. And so it took, we're talking about multiple years, to get to something where we feel confident enough to do it in patients. And innovate, and I think it will make a difference in the patient's
0: outcome. So let's talk about that repair. What is something that's on the horizon, and not only that, that you're really implementing um, when you're doing procedures? What What is something that stands out for you when it comes to the ACL repair?
1: So you know, I like, like I said, the bare implant is good. It's got some benefits, and I think it's something we're going to be seeing in the future. So patients, to keep their heads up. For articles that come out about it you know there are more and more surgeons doing it it's only a handful this repair thing is a little different animal so basically what it is is people with really good ligaments that just tear one little piece right off where the attaches to the femur it's more common than we think but most of us aren't looking for it so even surgeons aren't really looking for it they see an ACL tear and MRI and they say okay this needs to be reconstructed Yeah. well those patients can be fixed and When we cut down all the parameters, so, you know, initially do it on everybody, right? The problem is we do it on every ACL and every patient. The failure rate's fairly high. But if you look down at the details, we found out that if you do it on patients over 25 years old with a proximal tear, not a chronic injury, you know, three months, three or four months, you can repair these patients with a very low repair rate. But what the crazy thing about this is, is the recovery time is only four months.
0: That's amazing.
1: And you're keeping your native ligament. So the success rate of this procedure is around 5 to 7%-ish on newer articles. tear of the ACL with this new procedure, where a regular ACL maybe is 2 or 3%. Now, again, the quotes are all over the place in terms of some numbers and may be a rounding error I'm giving you. Um, you're talking about a seven, nine-month recovery versus a four-month recovery. But what's really cool too is you can you internally brace the repair. And I know you're an expert now at this because we've talked about it extensively. <laughs> but the reason it, but the reason the ACL repair got so good is because everyone's getting an internal brace. So the one I did on Monday is this newer implant. Plus, I internally braced it right through the middle of the, to give an uh, to give this sort of rebarb attachment. And the biomechanics are amazing. I mean, when I finished the ACL, it felt like I did a full reconstruction on a high level aspect.
0: Wow. And, and you're, and, and this, uh, we're talking about the fertilized ACL at this point, correct?
1: No, we're not even on that yet. Oh, but okay. Then, this is just repairing the ACL, no fertilization. We're going to be considering, and I was talking with the company in the last couple of days, potentially finding a way to fertilize or do some sort of biologics to improve the healing success on this. But what we have now, you know, FDA approval is this implant that you can tighten it up, further tighten it, the ACL back to the wall much better than you were able to do before. And this is only new, like, over the last six months. And, and that's because and, of the
0: tool that you're using now?
1: Yeah, the new tool that we use is able to be, you can cinch it again and again. So you can tighten, move the knee around, and then tighten it again. And that way you get it as tight as possible back to the wall. And, the, I mean, just for example, one of the ones I did on Monday, it went from a very loose knee to, like, I could tell you, I, I test hundreds of knees out, and I could not tell if this ACL was torn. Wow. Based off the exam after I finished the surgery. So the jury's still out on, you know, everyone, the right person to do it on. But, you know, I've been really impressed with the data I'm doing it on patients. I have a number of patients lined up that I'm going to do it on um, in the right indications. And, again, when you have a – most patients want this because the success rate is above 90% that you're not going to re-tear your ACL. And if you only – if you give up that 3 three or 4% of re-tear concern – yeah. And you can recover three or four months faster. Patients are like, this is a no-brainer for me. you know, Because if they tear again, a revision from a repair is very easy to go to a reconstruction. But if you I,
0: tear I gotcha.
1: a reconstruction and you get another reconstruction, the success rate is not nearly as good.
0: So it seems if you're the ideal candidate that that would be the logical uh, first option um, to do that type of procedure before doing a complete uh, reconstruction. So the repair, if you're a candidate, if everything, uh, um, you know, lines up to saying, okay, yeah, you're a candidate, this is the way to go, right? Am I just making an assumption here?
1: No, I think you're. that's the way. Now, the thing is, again, we don't want to do too many of these. We want to keep looking at the data, but we've seen a lot of them and seen how well they've done. And with this new instrumentation, I mean, if this isn't work, there's nothing else that's going to for a while. I, mean, I got this you. Is the, I I mean, I would tell you that before this new implant came out, I would not have gotten my ACL repaired. I would have had a reconstruction. But if I have the ACL tear, that pattern that works for this, and I can know I can get back in four months with a 7% retear risk, I'm willing to take that risk even as a surgeon. Because we do a good job on ACLs, but they're not always perfect, right? And, yeah. and if I can buy myself one more potential operation or avoid one more operation, and let's say they it in four years. I don't think that's the case always, and that's not the case many times. Yeah. But if they do, then it's a very simple reconstruction. If they repair one of my ACLs that I did four years ago with tunnels already in there, it could be a much bigger animal. Not. In- so. And again, it's all about risk affiliation. If you don't want to take that risk of the 5% or 4% higher chance of tearing, then yeah, you get the reconstruction. And I tell all my patients I offer both options. Yeah. And if I go in there and the tissue doesn't look good, I won't do a repair. So I'm not going to... I'm going to selectively pick patients that are ideal candidates for this. But when they are, this is a very cool option that many people can't – don't know about because most surgeons don't do it or they're not willing to take uh, the innovation on this and try it out. Again, there's data backing this. We've got good studies, good biomechanics. So um, there's no – this is an experimental surgery. This is a newer procedure that's innovative that's going to help patients, get them back faster, get them the things they want to do with a low risk. And that's the only reason I was. That's the only reason I decided to do it because it matched. When it, once it got all those boxes and it's reproducible, it's no brainer.
0: Do you sit around your with your team, and uh, I got two questions for you? But do you sit around with your team, and after you okay. look at all the data, and and you like this is pretty, this is pretty, this is pretty cool, you know? I I gotta try. Like where did where does that kind of jump off? Where does the conversations happen? You know, you're sitting around at lunchtime, and say, hey, I, I'm I'm ready to do this. We've got all the data. Everything looks good. I feel confident in doing this first procedure. Um, you know, just kind of what, what is that locker room conversation when it comes to uh, you orthopedic surgeons and having this new technology and, and things that are coming out that can advance what you're doing and more importantly, um, have, a, you know, better quality for the patient?
1: All right. Well, now you're asking for the dirty details. so I won't go into too much detail, but I'll tell you how it works. So basically... I do a lot of I do a lot of these different things, so I'm able a fortunate enough to work with the companies to hear about the innovative products first or early on. So I do a lot of beta testing for them, um, and these are a lot. These are all FDA approved. They're just tweaks. Yep. But when a bigger thing comes out, if I hear about it. Um, I have the luxury of working a lot with a company called Arthrex, uh, and they're one of the biggest sports companies in the country. Yep. And um, I do consulting for them and work with them, and they have a lab in Renton. And so actually what I'm able to do is actually practice before the surgery. So I do this a lot. Yeah. It's a complicated surgery. I'll practice before the surgery. It's just like you would for anybody else. And we've talked about this before on the show. Yeah. But I went in the lab, and I'm able to do this, and i already seen the data. And I, I've done all – again, this procedure is not technically that challenging. It's just you have to find the right person and feel confident enough that you can do it. You know, And you have to have all these little check boxes. But if you check all those boxes and you can do all those things, this is a minor tweet from my daily stuff. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, on Monday when I did this, I did two other surgeries that were technically much more challenging. So it's not that that was the concern in this procedure. Um, but after seeing it and feeling it and seeing the biomechanics, it, it became very it became very obvious. So And then what I'll do is my assistants in the room, and I have really good physicians assistants and staff. And so the team members will go over this procedure again and again, just like you would for anything. And I'll prepare them for this. Their representatives for the company are there, and they're preparing them for it, mm. and everybody knows we're on this page. So, like, for instance, we did this thing, and it was perfect. I mean, everything went as planned, and that's generally the way it goes because I try to prepare as much as possible. I am definitely not the person that likes to wing it in surgery. Um, I, if I have to do something audible and change plans, I'll do it, but that's not the way I live my life. You know, I, have, I do too many complicated surgeries to go in there and wing it, so everything I do has been prepared four or five times ahead of time. So it's funny because sometimes my staff members or the patients will ask, like, did he look at the MRI or did he review this? And they'll be like, I think he's probably looked at it more than you want him to. Yeah. So, you know, I think at this point, especially with the harder stuff, be prepared, do a good job, especially early on if you're starting to do something that's new um, and you get good results. And, you know, if you pick the right patient and you have the right mindset, it's all about expectations. Right. If a patient has seen four doctors. No one mentions repair. You mention repair and they're still scared about it and they don't think they're going to do it and think they're going to do poorly. Yeah, Yeah. don't do the surgery. You're not going to do well.
0: Yeah. But if you're like,
1: wow, I want to try something new. This doctor seems really excited about it. He's done the research. He knows the right people and he feels confident about it and you and you trust me, then try it. But again, I give the options. I'm never pushing people into new surgeries ever. It's And again, in Seattle, the nice thing is we're really technologically advanced and patients do a lot of research. And it just takes a little bit of time to understand, like, hey, listen, this is not all, they're not blowing smoke here. You know, I don't try random products that I've never heard of or I've never seen. You know, everything I do has had been delved into the data. But if you don't innovate, you're doing your patients a disservice. And I get to, I have to unfortunately see those cases as revisions or other problems where innovation was not tapped into.
0: You know, we, we've, we've spoken, uh, you know, a lot of sports on our shows and, you know, we We kind of keep it light and we joke around. So my follow-up question is, do you have a dance? Uh, You know, after doing that first procedure on Monday, everybody's there, everybody's checking it out, and it comes off, you, you know, you hit that home run or... You know, what whatever sport do you want to do? Do you have like a break it off dance, you know, do you, you fish pump, you know, or are you hooting and hollering? Like, you know, what what's the what's the what's the vibe in the room for you? You know, do you go home, you you, you know, you look at your wife and it's like, Yeah, I knocked out of the park, you know. I'm <laughs> you know, what what what's, what's, what's the deal with Doctor Garcia and his celebration there?
1: I do get pretty excited. <laughs> um you can probably tell from me on the podcast that I'm not a wallflower. Uh, but i I, I don't, I'm not a gloater, so, but I do like to get excited. Stop it. I I did a good job and I did, I did a, I did a a good job and that I, (laughs) that it went well, but I get really excited. I hate to say it. I mean, I love doing it. I love working really hard and taking on really challenging cases and taking on challenging things and having success. And if something doesn't go well, I'm like, how can I do a better job the next time? Yeah. You know, I, I think I, I'm not going to compare myself to an athlete, but I think of myself as doing some a profession and having to do it well. And if something doesn't go well, you know, you drop the ball on the pass, you don't win the game, you know, you have a complication, you don't pout about it and not do it again. You figure it out, you fix the problem, and you take it on head on. And that's the way you have to do it in surgery. If you're going to take care of athletes and pro athletes, not every one of them is going to get back to their professional sport. Or you do, you do complicated procedures, not everybody's going to do really well. But it's how you handle the problems that make you will make you who you are but you also have to celebrate yourself when something goes well. You know, I was so excited after that, you know, after this. I've done a few of these, actually. I was just talking about the one I had on Monday. Yep. But the one on Monday, when it finished, you know, when we had that extra prep and things like that, you know, yeah, there was definitely some high fives. And I tell the patients afterwards, I'm like, you had a high five surgery. And I think they think I'm joking, but I actually did do mostly high fives after the surgery
0: finished. Yeah. Um, I, I know it. I know you're competitive, man. We talk about it, man. You've swam and you <laughs> ski and you got your watch. So you, you listen, you are an athlete and you are competitive. And that's why I bring it up It because I know there's a part of you. You're like, yeah, no, I was just kind of doing this and I prepared. I was like, nah, man, you hooting and hollering. You're like, yeah, baby.
1: Uh, <laughs> I, 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 there's part of what you're saying is true. I can't fully disclose, <laughs> but I'm very excited and I have a lot of fun in my practice and patients are a lot, have a lot of fun. And if you, if patients of mine will tell you, you know, I get really excited and people do well. And when they don't do well, I try to figure out how to make them better. So, you know, I, I like my job a lot. I get, I'm very fortunate enough to be in a practice where I can innovate so quickly, you know, as a private practice surgeon yeah. and doing the athletes and the people I do, I can innovate quickly. If I want to do an ACL repair, and I tell my partners this works really well, and I can do the right thing, and they trust me because they know all the stuff that I do. I can do it in a day. You know, I can innovate quickly and do the right thing for the patients and adapt, which is really cool. It's the best part about my job, um, and I get to take care of patients that really want innovation. So it's like the best possible scenario. So on a day-to-day basis, I'm really happy. You know, I get to have fun. I get to get my competitiveness in, and I get to do a little athletics and sports and I frequently have fist bumps and high fives in my office, so it makes me happy. There so that's we go. All that matters.
0: It's a great environment. Listen, uh, I know we've got you already about 30 minutes, and you've been running around. Um, is there anything else that you want to kind of get into? I know we touched upon, we didn't even get into Fertilize ACL and everything else. So is this something that you want to kind of uh, jump into or you want to save for another show? I
1: think we should save for another show, and if anybody wants to listen to Will's previous podcast, with our fertilized ACL plus the man that invented it actually joined the podcast with Will, uh, Chad Lavender. That's a pretty good podcast that you can listen to too. So I think that probably does enough service to it. And we can talk about it later time. That's sort of the farthest one, I think in terms of innovation, because it's, it requires the same sort of thing. It's a pretty high cost procedure. Um, but I think of these things I told you, the ACL repair is the one that's the, is right here, ready to go. And this one can be done by your surgeon You know, you can come see me if you want. I know there might be some other people in the area that are considering doing it. Um, But if you're a candidate for it, I would consider it, at least to look at the data. And, again, remember, every innovation is your decision, not the surgeon's. I'm here to give the information out. I'm here to do that. But you have to weigh the risks and benefits. And my goal in the end is I don't want patients to be upset if something doesn't work. So i got to make sure that people know I'm excited about this, but I'm excited about it if you're excited about it and you're okay with the risk. Because the benefits are amazing, but there are risks. So as long as everybody's okay with that, we're gonna have fun, we're gonna do a good job, and try to make as many people as we can better.
0: And Dr. Garcia is always prepared. And, and that was, that's the most important thing that I wanna convey uh, throughout the show. You know, it's, it's being at the forefront of technology, being prepared, doing, you know, uh, crossing your T's and down your I's, uh, you going to the facility to work on these procedures before you have a patient. And, and really, that's the whole purpose of all this, is to give kind of information and also know that you're in good hands. And uh, the most important thing that you want from anyone is just to be prepared for whatever they're doing, you know, just like we're trying to be prepared for this show. All right, Dr. Garcia, here we go. You ready? Oh, gosh. Here, here we go. go. Here we go. Now, this is a tough one because it all depends on who you talk to and what research you read and everything else. So I'm going to give you a pass on this one. But... Do you know – we could do it roughly the the years or the surgeon that did the first ACL reconstruction. Oh,
1: my gosh. You always do this to me. I I have a zero – (laughs) i'm so glad that i'm not a trivia guy because it would be a terrible
0: this is this one's this one's really not easy i did a lot i did a lot of reading and it depends who you talk to and and what do you consider uh, i know i know so if you could give me a roughly like a timeline if you give me a timeline we'll take it
1: okay i'll give you a year i think it's probably 1965
0: Okay, we are going back to 1917, Ernest William Haygrove, and he was a uh, British uh, surgeon, and it's amazing because of all the research going back, I mean, you've got things published back in the 1800s when they started to realize that um, they, there needed to be something done, and, and the conversations in these in these journals uh, because people were getting hurt and then not being able to walk, and they didn't understand what was going on. And then you had people, you know, slowly, like anything, right? Exactly what we're talking about today, right? Whether it's repair and the bearing implant, it all starts somewhere, and then people work off of other people, and that's how you get to where you're at now. And obviously, in 1917, is very different than in 2022, the procedures. But I like to bust your chops, so this is what we do here. I like it. I like it. <laughs> Dr. Garcia, uh, I appreciate your time. Um, I'm pretty sure if you're in your driveway, your wife's looking at you, you better you better hurry up and get inside here and take care of the kids. <laughs> so I don't want her mad at me. Dr. Grant Garcia, our orthopedic surgeon and sports medicine specialist. Check him out, grantgarciamd.com. He has got great information, procedures, uh, videos, uh, all of our shows. I mean, you name it. Uh, the, the website is just chock full of nuts and uh, just check it out, and if you have any information, give him a call, and uh, he's there for you. Dr. Garcia, thank you for your time, and uh, we'll do it again shortly.
1: Absolutely. Always a pleasure, Will. Have a good night, and uh, say have the family for me.
0: Thank you very much, Dr. Garcia. Take care.